0: Welcome to Autism Live on Wednesdays when we do Ask Dr. Doreen. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're here with Dr. Doreen Grampiche. Welcome. 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 Good morning. 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 You look all springy and fabulous. Uh, So you're intimidating. I'm I'm just going to put this out there that um, if I look different today, it's because I have literally no eye makeup on uh, because between allergies and wearing eye makeup every day, I, I, my eyes need a break. They just need a break. So I'm going to be the beady-eyed, small-eyed wonder over here next to this gorgeous, fabulous, um, impressive doctor. Uh, (laughs) That's how it goes. Sometimes that's just how it is. (laughs) But we're gonna be with you live for this next hour here on Autism Live, and Dr. Grandfache is going to be answering your questions. There are lots of ways for you to connect with us. You can be watching us right now on autism-live.com. You could be watching us on YouTube, on Facebook. We are live right now, also on Periscope and Twitter. And then we will podcast later on. In addition to being on all of those places recorded, we will podcast to iTunes. We will be on Spotify, on Deezer, iHeartRadio, all those places so uh, we're a free download on uh, itunes please like us on itunes because when here's the secret when you guys like us on itunes that moves us up in the rankings and then more people when they search autism find us so if you want to let more people know about us please like us on itunes and on facebook and on youtube wherever you can and subscribe uh we love it when you guys subscribe in any of the different places you can subscribe right on our website, which is autism-live.com. Lots of things to do on that page. Our full library of videos is available and searchable on that website. And you can chat with us from that website. I keep an iPad right here so that I can see what you guys write in on the live feature. And Traven helps me to uh, moderate all your comments on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, and Periscope. So there we go, write in in all the ways that you like to we know that you all have preferential methods, but also want to say that Dr. Grand Pichet, who is one of my favorite people on the face of the planet, because she started a place called CARD that changed my life in so many ways. I can't even count. Um, but the biggest way is that it gave me back my child, my child who was diagnosed at two and a half and was, uh, had lost virtually all functional communication and now is you know, writing his college practice essays because he's applying to Harvard in the fall. I know, like who can stand that? Not me, don't make me cry. Although I don't have any eye makeup to run today. So there we go, there are benefits, right? Uh, anyway, uh, just one of the million and eight reasons why I adore Dr. Grampy Pichet and why I look to her as the preeminent expert of autism in our time. What other time is there? Uh, But I will say this, that there is no expert in this particular format who can give individual specific advice. It's just not possible. So please write in and all of our channels are available right now for you to write in. And I see that you guys are already starting and ask questions. Tell us what the closest major city is and give us as much information as you can, but expect answers of a general nature. And I always love it when you guys stay close because Dr. Grampuche always has more questions for you so that she can help you. And I know that you guys write in all the time and tell me how helpful this segment is. And boy, it's my favorite, my favorite. So anyway, I've talked too much. Dr. Grampiche, you ready for questions or do you have something you'd like to say first?
1: Oh, I'm ready and, and excited. Let's okay,
0: great. Uh, so somebody says, thanks for an awesome week last week with some great speakers. Pennsylvania is getting closer to opening from COVID but no school here. I'm worried about keeping up with school and therapy. Any suggestions for transitioning back to normal life? And can my ABA do ESY? As we tip into the alphabet land, (laughs) ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, ESY, for those of you who are watching, extended school year, because everybody's worried about summer school. More and more schools are saying, we don't think it's happening. And parents- parents were holding on to summer for, you know, summer school to help their kids to get caught up. And I, I'll tell you, I feel it. People are right on the verge of panic. Uh, Dr. Grampy Shea about the school situation. So, yeah, I,
1: I get it. And I don't, and I'm, uh, you saw the lovely article that our dear colleague Cecilia Knight sends us yesterday. I, I it reminded me that some of the Uh, some of the stress that's going on, some of the panic that you refer to is not necessarily just that we're concerned about our kids falling behind, but also that we're just we need a break. We need a break. And uh, this article for our viewers, the article had to do with uh, all the additional pressure that has been placed on parents right now, um, as if it wasn't hard enough in the past. You know, I'm, I felt after reading that article, I was just very thankful that my kids at this time have grown up, thank God. But like, honestly, I completely know for family, yeah, children because you really are, it is incredible how busy we are. I honestly thought that at the beginning of this period, like working from home would be less busy But it's packed. I mean, I don't leave my computer for six, seven hours straight solid every day. And uh, and then you have like a five. I don't even have time to go get a coffee or something. And, And I can't imagine with people who have young children, you are also running back and forth and trying to help them deal with the computer and deal with their educational stuff online and it's, it's um, unbelievable, it's, it's truly unbelievable the pressure on the parents. So um, I would love to be able to help the parents with school or academic functions, but unfortunately, uh, unless we are funded to do so, we cannot do so. So, uh, you know, most of our, our families right now are, are funded through insurance. And when you are funded through health insurance medical insurance, uh, the content of the therapy is restricted to what is classified as medical necessity criteria. So things that fall under medically necessary criteria. And there are things like, you know, uh, for autism, obviously, uh, we argue that language, for instance, is a medically necessary type of intervention because we want to teach the child to communicate, So that they don't have tantrums, for example. So medically necessary stuff is everything that helps reduce the symptoms of autism. It does not include academic stuff by any means. So Unless there's school district funding in place, we cannot get involved with academic stuff. Now, for some families, there is school district funding and of course we do get involved with academics. So You know, that is uh, wonderful, and I wish we could do more of it. Now, we have also had other uh, parents write into us and say, why doesn't CARD just provide homeschooling? And we are looking into that. In fact, at one o'clock today, I have a call about that, and let me just write that down so I can make sure to follow up on the whole homeschooling uh, thing as well. Uh, We need to get some permissions, and... I don't know much about homeschooling, so we kind of need to figure out exactly what it would take for us to be an organization that can provide that service to our families.
0: And I, you know, the question was asked last night for the academies that we have at CARD, are they doing distance learning right now or are they still providing one-to-one? Do you know, and I, I was saying that I'm gonna ask about that, but uh, and I don't mean to throw you a, a side curve here, Um, but, but is that something that they're already doing or are they still providing one-to-one?
1: They're providing both. The issue with our academies is that they are classified as, as schools. So, uh, and, uh, typically they, we get referrals for the most severe individuals on the autism spectrum to go to our schools. So public schools refer to us those kids who they can't uh, manage. And so what ends up happening in our academies is that we have, I, our academies are some of my favorite sites. They are incredible. And I, we owe it all to our incredible superintendent, uh, Marianne Cassell, who's a, a senior at CARD and also a um, behavior analyst, of course. Uh, She's incredible. And she has, she has set up an amazing situation at the academies where all of the therapists are very, very uh, well-trained and they are one-to-one, right? With the patient, with the students in that case. And so now that we cannot have the academies running, um, we have, it's, it's a very unfortunate situation, but so some most of those children need physical one-to-one they need face-to-face because they are either highly aggressive assertive um they're not the type of child their functioning level is doesn't allow us to do a lot of telehealth having said that the bigger problem is that the majority of districts uh school districts don't allow physical contact right now. They do not allow us to do what we're doing as healthcare providers. As healthcare providers, we're exempt, right? We are considered essential healthcare. So we come into the home and we can have contact if we choose to. And of course we choose to, and that's why for most of our families we provide in-home services. But for the academies in some cases we are prohibited. For example, UFC we are not allowed to have face-to-face contact so we can't even have the therapist coming or the the teachers and the aides coming into your home uh in for our academies so in uh, we have four academies uh in some cases we have been uh, made exceptions where we are allowed uh other than that we're doing some some telehealth where it's possible
0: Uh, Sorry, I'm muted. Uh, Thank you for that. And we'll keep people posted on that because I I see that as a growing concern that people are having. Um, And I, you know, even this morning, right before we went on air, we got a a notice from my son's principal saying, you know, that here in California that uh, our governor was making an announcement yesterday. And as a part of that, he said, you know, when schools are back in session in the fall and our principal wrote to us and he said, I I, I can't, I don't want you to all count on that. I don't know that that's happening. Um, so, and I was like, oh, okay, wake up call. Uh, but, and I think a lot of people are having that around the, yeah. the like, we're, we're not like not you know, he's like, I don't even know if we're happening in August for the fall semester, Woo, spin my head.
1: Uh, Other countries, Shannon, like Canada, for instance, has already said that they might likely keep schools closed until January. And yesterday, uh, just because my daughter goes to UCLA, uh, we got a notice from UCLA that said that the fall semester for students at UCLA, um, the fall semester, they will give every class online optional. So you can go to class if it's open, but if you choose to go the online version, you can also go online. They're trying to reduce, they're assuming that even if there is a resumption of classes that they're trying to keep it very small.
0: Well, and as you know, part of what has happened with all this is for all of us that have continued to conduct any kind of business whatsoever, you had to run to catch up and then we're all trying to get ahead. And obviously for an education place, if I were looking at you know, my next big thing is the fall, I would wanna be ahead and offer options now while I had the time to plan because um, being ahead is is nine-tenths of all of this as I see it um, I think we all do now Sheila has written in and Sheila I got to ask you for more information because I don't know quite what it is that you're asking so will you do me a favor and will you write in more and Traven, as soon as she does will you make sure that I get that uh, but I want to start with a question from Critter Kid hello Critter Kid uh, they say, my son is infatuated with our dog. He lays or sits near the dog, staring at it. The dog has anxiety issues. Uh, dog videos um, to help him with the dog interest, like showing him other dog breeds. Um, but he, he says he feeds the dog, she says he feeds the dog two times a day and can give it treats. It's just when he tries to touch him, the dog startles. I wish they loved each other equally. Um, and so Dr. Graham, do we have some advice for her with her, the child is four. um, with how to interact with the dog. I got to say that I, I, there's a dog training expert who works with dogs to be companion dogs and assistance dogs that if we feel like it's necessary, I can have them visit the show too, and talk about what it's like from the dog perspective, but from the little boy's perspective, there's a lot we can do, Right.
1: Well, but I'm not sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's always a lot we can do, but I'm not sure that little boy is doing anything wrong here. Because yeah. I was reading this and I, I, I don't know what he's doing. I think it's just an anxious dog. And I, mean, I have dogs. I've had dogs my entire life. And some dogs have an anxious personality. We don't know why. I mean, we get our dogs when they're puppies, right? Or uh, sometimes they've had some sort of uh, thing happen in their past. And sometimes they just ha- are scared of loud noises and things like that. So there's a lot of, st- uh, my, my inclination is to just tell you how to make the dog less anxious <laughs> rather. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, go for it. I will- <laughs> there's,
1: there's calm tabs. There are, do- there are dog supplements. There's vitamins for dogs that help them stay calm. There's vests that you can put on dogs that help them. Thunder treat- shirts. Thunder shirts. My <laughs> dogs has this thing that just wraps it's like a wrap you wrap up I think it's just a matter of helping them feel secure um, I honestly it's you know the only thing I can think of here I mean if there's something else we do have kids who absolutely have a hard time understanding that dogs uh, are alive and they do things to them that are painful or hurtful But in this case, it doesn't sound like the child's doing anything. He's just wanting to spend time with the dog. So I think that it's a matter of just explaining to the child that you can have some time with the dog. You know, it's a theory of mind thing more than anything else. I think Shannon, where maybe the child is having a hard time understanding that the dog is anxious and doesn't want contact. And so, you know, and, and teaching theory of mind is a much bigger subject I wouldn't use the dog to teach theory of mind I would just maybe go to the skills curriculum where theory of mind is described and broken into a thousand little lessons and start there because theory of mind for our viewers who don't know have to do has to do with uh, our children having a hard time understanding someone else's perspective and of course this is uh, applies to this case um, you know, some of the more basic lessons in theory of mind are things like telling the child to throw a party for mom, and mm-hmm. who fight and what are the types of activities you would have. And there's there's a million different things that we do to help the child take perspective. Uh, you know, and once they get better at understanding someone else's perspective, I'm sure it'll help also with the child understanding that maybe the dog doesn't want to be touched but but truthfully it's a beautiful thing also for our kids to have a bond with animals like this so in some ways i feel like you know let's let's uh, maybe the view, maybe critter kid wants to tell us a little bit more about exactly what's going on that's possible.
0: And a couple of things here, because you brought them up. Uh, What a great thing for all of those of you that are doing telehealth. Tell your uh, person that's doing telehealth to ask your child to throw a party for you. It's Mother's Day on Sunday. Make it happen. Don't be afraid to ask for it. It's still. I know a lot of times as women we think, well, if I have to ask you to do something for me, then it's not the same. No, let go of that. Ask for it and have them do it. (laughs) it's still it still feels great even when you ask them to do it sometimes even better and you brought up skills and um the folks at skills asked me to give you guys an update that there are there's a new thing that is free right now on skills so um the new one that is available right now is getting started so if you go to skillsforautism.com then at the top, you'll see that there are little headings. You want to go to the one that's Health and Human Services. Then it's a drop-down menu. You go to Caregiver. Then from there, you go to Parent. And then under Parent, there are all these different trainings. If you put right now the ones getting under the heading Getting Started or the ones Overcoming Challenging Behavior into your cart, if you put all of them in, it says you owe like $90. If you go down to the a little approval code, it says uh, um, the you know, where where you can put in a code, you wanna put in, and it has to be case sensitive, all capital letters, COVID, C-O-V-I-D hyphen, that's the little dash in the middle, 19. When you put that in, if you've chosen the right ones, your cart should zero out. And then you can, um, you know, finish. You have to give them the information of where to send it and all of that stuff. If you have any difficulties or if you, feel really bummed out because you missed the last one that was free which were the useful tips at home you can call or if you have any difficulties 877-975-4559 they want you to know that they are working long distance so it can take them up to 24 hours to get back to you but call that number 877-975-4559 but everybody go ahead and check out those free videos because they are free this week. Isn't that fabulous? All right, sorry, I uh, had to make sure that I got that information out there. Okay, uh, Kofun, I, I always mess this up. Koyan Thing says, hi Shannon and Dr. Doreen. Thank you for everything. Thank you for being here with us and for being such a lovely viewer. Jen says, hi there. Uh, um says, hey, and we're saying hey back. Uh, And we're saying hi to Christina and Catherine. Catherine wants to know, is homeschooling the best thing? Because we were talking about homeschooling before.
1: Yeah, I I think it's um, really good for some people. So it really has to do with the child. There's a lot of things to consider. I think, uh, you know, uh, our kids get a lot out of school that's not academic they get social out of school. And so if it's a child who is, one of their main social environments is school, then I wouldn't wanna take homeschooling away. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I wouldn't wanna take regular schooling away because then homeschooling, you don't get the same level of social exposure. Um, If it's a child who has a million other activities and we're not concerned about social exposure, then it might be the appropriate thing homeschooling obviously allows us to do a lot more uh, personalization of what it is we're teaching the child so that helps um, a lot of our kids get bullied in school that's completely avoided in homeschooling obviously um, one of the things that's a, a big concern for our parents is um, our kids tend to be easily influenced by other by peers uh, because they just have a good heart and they, they trust their peers uh, very quickly and they have a a harder time, like, you know, identifying who they shouldn't trust. And so they are uh, much more easily influenced by maybe bad peers. And so for those reasons, homeschooling could be a good thing. Uh, It really is very child specific, um, the decision whether or not to homeschool. I mean, right now, you're all homeschooling, right? You just don't have any help. And it's like education has kind of fallen on all parents and um, that's what's making it all very difficult.
0: Yeah, right now, I think the reason why it keeps coming up is because it's just, now it's the only option, only game in town. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Catherine wants to know if we're in Las Vegas. Virtually, we are. Virtually, we're everywhere. But no, we are not in Las Vegas. We are. We all of us right now are, are somewhere in the vicinity of Los Angeles. Um, so uh, well, when yes, go ahead.
1: When I read that, for some reason, I thought she might be asking about card, but maybe not.
0: Oh well, of course. I you know hello. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I okay. think you're right, and there are card is in Las Vegas. Card is in
1: Henderson. Las Vegas. Yeah, we actually have several locations in Las Vegas. We're merging two of the locations right now, but I'm pretty sure the Henderson site is a larger site. We had, I know we had Las Vegas North and South or something, but I think they're merging together because right now, of course, we're we're uh, reducing our sites because we're trying to cut down on expense.
0: There we go. Uh, when, when is a child old enough to do school or to do homeschooling at CARD? And this is, uh, from our, our mom that has a four-year-old. Um,
1: well, I, uh, I mean, typically state by state, this differs, but generally speaking, you're looking at five where you're, where you're starting school or a kindergarten, I would say. Uh, But really, uh, we don't do homeschooling right now. Uh, We are looking into doing homeschooling because we've had such a high demand. Uh, But we do a lot of academic assistance. We do a lot of tutoring. um, And of course, we are contracted with, I think almost all the school districts that provide funding for uh, what's called related services. And what we do is um, we assist with everything from uh, making sure some of the goals in the IEP are met to helping the child pay attention in school, in class, to helping the child uh, interact with peers, helping the child do their homework, accommodations for the child. I mean, everything that helps the child succeed in school. Um, And we are often Uh, allowed to do so because the parent has gone to an IEP and requested these related services and the district has contracted with us to provide them.
0: Yeah, you know, I know a lot of parents are asked about the age thing and I I just wanna throw two cents in there that um, we've been talking a lot lately about, you know, uh, with this COVID thing, this is an opportunity and everybody should be doing the things that they can only do now. They should prioritize that because there's things that you're only can do now that you'll never get another opportunity to do. Right. And I feel the same way about early childhood that, you know, eventually your child is going to have to go to school or be homeschooled. You're not going to have a choice. Like the truant officer will throw a fit and they'll legislate it. You got to do it. Right. But there's this window of time with our kiddos where it's a little fuzzy where it's like, well, you know, you could put your child in preschool, you put your child in kindergarten, or you could wait another year. And it's different for every single kiddo, but for a lot of people who have kids on the autism spectrum that are dealing with social issues, but they're dealing with, um, you know, communication issues and sensory issues and all these different things, for some kiddos, the best thing to do is to do intensive ABA every minute that you can until you can't, because once you go to school, you're going to get less time to do ABA. So I just want to throw it out there as a parent who fought very hard for my child to get as much ABA before he started school and, and who saw the benefit of that, that school's going to happen whether you want it to or not. But in, if you've got a moment of time when, when you don't have to, uh, talk to the people who have eyes on your child, maybe not for all of them, but for, I, I would say the vast majority of Littles, um, need more ABA than they need school, and school's not going to tell you that. So I'll share that with you. <laughs> Anything that I've said wrong that you would like to correct, Dr. Rebichet, because no, I just go right. off sometimes. No, that's absolutely
1: oh. right. That's absolutely right. I completely agree with you, Shannon. And that's why I said it's a little different for every state, because some states actually require the parents to start getting involved with preschool around age three. There's a lot of different types of things but i completely agree when when our this is part of the problem we have when our kids are seven and eight there's so much academic stuff that takes up their time which i I mean i I, academics are important as well but honestly if it was me i'd much rather have my child speaking and socializing than knowing history so you know if we had a choice i'm sure we would kind of maybe individualize what what are the the time that our kids spend on different areas differently.
0: Okay, Maya, we want to say hi to you. She's hoping that Georgia State University will have their classes uh, held virtually in the fall, too. And she's wondering if the dog has anxiety. Uh, Somebody wrote in and said, last week, I asked in regards to scripting, and you said to tell my supervisor the lesson is introducing the topic in cognitions. She says she can't find it. (laughs) <laughs> and skills is big, right? And and it's like, sometimes it can be hard to find a specific thing. But the truth of the matter is, your supervisor has resources with which to find this. But would you like to address this, Dr. Grapeche?
1: Yeah, i just ask this. Uh, if you don't mind, tell me the name of the supervisor and I'll help them
0: there we go. Uh, But you can, can you email that to me at s.penrod at autism-live.com? We don't need to put their business out on the streets. s.penrod at autism-live. And we will make sure that she is able to find that. But for future reference, uh, there's like 18 people she could ask, including Evelyn Kong, and they'd be happy to.
1: She could ask anyone above her, basically, or her trainers. But yeah, you can also just let me know and i'll make sure to shoot her an email and tell her exactly where it is
0: there we go by the way the the child with the dog the parent wrote back in and said he has an emotional support basset hound and he plays with it he can hug and touch this dog it's just the beagle that can't handle it i'm so glad that he has another dog that he can love up yes uh we're saying hi to alexis alexis we're so glad you're here uh, and you have some hot autism news from your country, Canada, write, write and tell us. We want to know. Uh, Tracy says, hi, everyone. I have a paper on autism, and I'm required to watch a live stream. Would anybody be willing to answer some questions afterward? Tracy, if you'll send me uh, a link, I'll make sure to make it available to people to see if they want to answer questions. And uh, they, I find it interesting that the child with the, the Bassett... <laughs> Of course, it's like love. He's not interested in the basset hound that's willing to put up with him. He wants the beagle who's playing hard to get. Right? Uh, such a male, such a male, right? Isn't that always the way? Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, uh, TS says, I am from the UK where ABA is not offered as a part of the National Health Service. And intensive interaction is something which is very promoted. I want to know Dr. Doreen's opinion about that.
1: I'm not sure I understand what it means intensive interaction is something which is very
0: promoted. Well I think uh, doesn't uh, my what I took from that is that you know doing intensive ABA is is considered the gold standard of treatment and yeah. that they're saying it's not being offered by their national health service at, at least intensively and what your thoughts are on because we have some of that going on in the United States too I'm just going to call out uh, that we have a very big state that I I love a lot of the people in that state, but they're offering some ABA grants, which I'm deeply appreciative for, but they're making sure to offer it at a level that is not what is recommended. Yeah. Um, you know, they're giving like three hours a week of ABA and going, look, aren't we fabulous that we're giving three hours of ABA when you know there is no study showing that three hours of ABA is going to do, you know, anything to help the child beyond frustrating the parent and getting them to where they're supposed to be. Uh, But ask me how I feel. They didn't. They want to know what you think. (laughs)
1: So So here's where I can like uh, uh, show off my age or knowledge that's old. You know, my, I don't remember now, I think my maybe fourth, third, fourth or fifth clinic was in England. So I know a lot about the UK and how uh, things function there. We, I, had I opened a site in uh, the south of London, I think in 1993 or so, we had a full clinic there. It was all paid for by parents because there was no funding. Um, and then I also opened another one in Oxford, in Cambridge, uh, in Newcastle. I mean, we had numerous locations. And we were working with a lovely group of parents, um, I forget the parent organization now because Shannon is getting so old, but uh, there were some very, very active parents uh, at that time there and we worked very closely with them. I came up and testified for a lot of families. Um, our, the attorney who was representing them was Peter Bibby, I don't know why I remember these names, but um we testified we got school district funding and so this is exactly identical to the history in the u.s up to a certain point so in the u.s it was the same thing we were testifying for people in to get school district funding back in the 90s i was doing so much of my time was just in court as an expert witness proving that what the school system offers is not sufficient. And then we were getting school districts who would fund our kids. But then as time went on, we started to really be able to through research prove that ABA works. And honestly, I have to credit um, our dear friend Gretchen Jacobs, who is in Arizona. She was a, a huge part, I don't think either one of us at that time realized what a big uh, thing she did for the field. But uh, this was the first uh, bill that passed in Arizona. She was an integral part of that. That was in, I don't remember now, in the early 2000s where uh, we literally convinced, uh, I mean, we, first of all, we had, we, she got us a huge grant in Arizona. We were able to do a pretty big study where we showed that a very large number of the kids actually improved and recovered from ABA. We then went to uh, the Senate and House in Arizona and uh, they were the local government there was amazing and we got all the major payers from United Healthcare, uh, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, everybody involved and they all agreed that it is something they would want to promote and try and so they did and then we took that bill once that bill was passed and sent it to uh, Autism Speaks who I really want to credit past Gretchen and then they took the bill modified it and took it state by state and ended up getting so much coverage for everyone throughout the United States so uh, that is the biggest thing I think that Autism Speaks has accomplished and Now, unfortunately in England, that just never happened. So it was all funded by school districts where, and it was a case by case basis. And of course the NHS is on a completely different system. It's not like commercial insurance here. Um, And so the NHS never really considered it to be, again, we go back to that term called medical necessity. Um, And I hate to tell you this, but It has to go through that process. There has to be enough research and recognition of the fact that ABA is medically necessary. It's not so much about the intensity of it so much. That's kind of the dosage. The first part is just to say it's medically necessary. It changes behaviors that are life-saving. So let's say a child who is self-injurious or aggressive towards others or uh, can't function in society. If they receive ABA, they will uh, function well in society. And then that has to be taken through the government system in order for NHS to cover something like this. And, you know, we just gave up. I, I think I closed down all of the, we had, At the end, when I closed down all the sites in England, we had, I think we had something like 190 patients all over the UK, And unfortunately, it was it was really difficult because everyone had to pay privately. And this is not this is too expensive for people to pay privately. I mean, it requires a one to one interaction. It shouldn't be. It's a very important uh, part of healthcare. So, you know, and this is so that's what's very unfortunate. So uh, just to kind of give you a, a tiny solution real quickly, is that a lot of parents in England, they hire Uh, like uh, students who just graduated from high school, and then we train those students in our model, which is kind of called the workshop model uh, and or remote services, and we provide oversight or we provide supervision for them.
0: You're on mute. Sorry, I was muted. Um, It's rough. I mean, it's not easy, right? But it's very doable and people have been doing it for 30 years youth CARD um, in many locations that where they can't, where they just can't get access otherwise. Um, and in the beginning here in the United States, there were plenty of families. I remember when we started at CARD, I was looking for all kinds of information. And um, I of course had read Christina Adams' book, A Real Boy, and I had a, a, a um, Logan Shepherd's parents were my shepherds that they, you know, they were like, you've got to go to this place. This is where it's all happening. Um, But I remember going to the library and checking out everything I could find while we were filling out the paperwork. And there was an old VHS tape. uh, And my husband and I put it in and it was a woman who was explaining how to do an ABA program in your home. And she had done like a workshop model where, you know, she had somebody flew out to her house and um, trained her and then she trained all of her therapists. It was much harder then. That You know, because she had books everywhere and they were coming up with the curriculum. Now, of course, if you wanted to do that, you have things like skills and you have things like IBT to train your people, the Institute for Behavioral Training, which we talked about before. Um, You know, so pretty, um, it's doable. It's absolutely doable. And people have been doing it for 30 years. It, are there, is, Did they invent a better wheel? Yes, but if you don't have it yet in the UK, there is a way to do it nonetheless.
1: And can I just also say, Shannon, that uh, you know one of my favorite people in the world, and I think you would agree, um, is Ilana Gershlewitz, who uh, was a parent in South Africa and uh, in Johannesburg, and she was in the same boat. There's no funding there. And so she and her husband Martin, who are both incredible people, uh, they and this they were not school teachers or anything. They just decided to uh, take over, and they put all of their savings into purchasing a small school. Um, And then they—that's when I met them, and I went in, and we kind of uh, retrained all their teachers. They lost a lot of their teachers and because they were doing like silly stuff and not really ABA at that time but then Lana and Martin like brought in the best people to train their teachers and train their staff and they produced an incredible environment not just for their own son but also all the other children there and in fact it's such an amazing program um, that they now have other locations Uh, In uh, in in, uh, South Africa, as well as uh, they help many other they they provide guidance and oversight to other countries in Africa. And so and Ilana, of course, has now written a book about her journey and I mean you know so like there are parents and and i want to just say um their program star academy is fantastic it's fantastic and they help so many so many families and she maintains a staff of board certified autism technicians and i just can't you know i and this is all private funding all and um so everything is possible and elana and martin are a good example of of what you can not only a way that you can help your own child, but also others.
0: Yeah. It's, I always talk about the power of one. And of course, sometimes it's not one, sometimes it's two and sometimes it's five. Right. But I do, I'm always struck by the fact that when there's a will there's a way and you know, and that's, that's the truth. And it's uh, parents always apologize to me. When they're a little bit, you know, persistent and, and pushy, they will apologize to me. And I go, oh, no, no, don't apologize for that. You're the kind of parent who gets it done. You're the kind of parent who changes the world and will open something that we'll all benefit from. Don't ever apologize for being that pushy parent. And I want to say for those of you who are like, yeah, I don't think that's me. I'm a little overwhelmed. There are things for you as well. And it's, you know, it's a different playing field for all of us. I don't think that I could have done what that mom did, the workshop model that I watched on the videotape. My husband and I clutched each other and said, please don't let that be our new life, right? Um, I don't think I could have done that, but I found something else to do, right? So we all have our thing to do. Find yours, Get what you do what you need to do to get what your child needs and um, try not to break the law while you're doing that. Uh, try, try really hard not to break the law because you don't want to be in jail when they get the services um, and don't hurt anybody while you're doing that. Let's set that as the standard, but pretty much everything else, like, you know, be on it and keep calling people and um, you're not, if they think you're a pest, then they're looking at it wrong. Uh, Hey, by the way, a very honored parent that I wanna say hi to, Paula, is joining us. Uh, Good morning to you, Paula. Uh, Bonnie wants to know, is it okay to keep a child with moderate autism that has speech but is not conversational yet in a DI classroom where more than half of the students are of higher needs? I think that this is a really, Big question. I I think this, yeah, I think a lot of people have been on on this little pivot point about, you know, um, because schools will just say, oh, your child needs to be in this classroom with all these other people. And sometimes, sometimes that's the right answer and a lot of times it's not. So what do you say, Dr. Yeah, I think,
1: again, as you said, Shannon, it really has to do with the child, the child's functioning. I. Um, you know, in general, our way of looking at integration into school programs was quite different originally. And our thought process was, we would do a lot of therapy. See, and ideally, and this is kind of goes back to what Shannon was, you were referring to earlier on the show, is that ideally, you kind of want to be able to do more of your ABA when the child is young, so that by the time they hit the age of, let's say, six, they are uh, so uh, doing so well that they can be fully integrated into regular ed, right? Sometimes that doesn't happen for one reason or another. I, I read the other day, just on a side note, that the average day, age of diagnosis right now in the US is age four, which was mind boggling to me because-
0: So much better than it used to be.
1: But still, it's like we can accurately and validly diagnose at age two and two to four are the most important years, right? So uh, anyway, that aside, um, the situation with school and classrooms is that if your child is in a classroom where there are other kids who are uh, exhibiting more symptoms, the issue of concern becomes modeling and whether or not your child will pick up some of those uh, behaviors. Um, And truthfully, it's very likely that they will. Uh, It is a common thing, let's put it that way. It's common that kids pick up challenging behaviors. Why? Because the child who is doing a challenging behavior receives a lot of attention when it's a classroom environment. It's unavoidable. Not to say that the teacher is doing anything wrong, but by simply going over there, taking the child and removing them from classroom, the child is receiving attention and is getting to go outside, which is a reward. So basically our kids who see that figure out in their head, wow, this screaming thing is sort of effective. If I scream, maybe they'll let me out and then they'll start to do that. sort of thing. So that's kind of what is of concern, right? So either, you know, ideally what we always tell our kids to our parents is no, try to find the classroom that's... Uh, a little challenging. So a classroom where your child is modeling uh, good behavior, like learning or modeling from kids who are a little bit higher functioning. Um, and, you know, If I say that to every parent, obviously that makes it impossible, right? Because there's gotta be a mix uh, in every classroom. So I would just be very cautious and I would watch for that particular thing, which is modeling of bad, challenging behavior. Um, And if that happens, then I don't, I would not recommend your child be in that classroom. I also think that if your child's in a classroom, which is, you know, 30 hours a week, they better be learning a lot because that is the bulk of their time. And unless they're learning just as much as they would from a one-to-one program, then it's not the right placement. So when there is four or five kids in a classroom of, let's say 20, and those four or five are the ones who are challenging, they will get most of the attention from the teacher and aide, And so the other kids learn to just uh, be quiet. And so the kids who are not making trouble are just being ignored in that way. So the kids who are not challenging are not getting enough attention because like realistically, how much attention does the three adults have? to give they can't they just have to pay they have to take care of the child who's screaming right so the child who's quiet gets ignored it's just a natural thing that happens so those are the things you want to watch for you should do observations you know having said that i do also want to say there are some classrooms specialized classrooms that are incredible the teachers are incredible and so it's a you really have to have multiple observations uh, maybe, <clears throat> maybe have a friend observe because if you observe, your child's going to behave differently, and then see what it's go- what's going on there.
0: And just from a legal standpoint, I, I want everybody to understand that under IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act um your child is entitled to a free appropriate public education in the least restrictive environment in which they have an opportunity a floor of opportunity to access the curriculum so that that least restrictive environment and you'll hear lawyers talk about it lre your child has a legal right to that and that's you know so if your child can succeed in a typical classroom with a one-on-one aid then that is the least restrictive environment in which they can uh, access, have a floor of opportunity to access the curriculum, and a lot of times, you know, we don't we don't fully understand that, and so the child gets placed wherever they're going to get placed. You know, it's important, as Dr. Grampiche says, to look at your child and know what your child actually needs. But I just want you to understand that legally, you have a right to that, yeah. um, and and that schools never, you know. For them to put um, to form a classroom, uh, a special day classroom and put 12 kids in it and put, you know, three adults is infinitely cheaper than taking six of those kids, putting them in classrooms and hiring a one on one aide for each classroom. Don't be fooled by the money. Get what is right for your child. That's all I want to say about that uh okay uh raquel said we've got a bunch of people who are studying aba which is really good raquel says i'm uh taking an intro to aba class in the fall i'm kind of excited i hope to be able to take what i learn into my classroom and i think that that's really wonderful and maya says that uh she she identifies herself as being on the spectrum and she took a 40-hour course on rb to be an rbt she's thinking about thinking about becoming certified and taking the exam after graduating. And I'm just, I'm like, why would you wait? Uh, Why not take the exam now and become an RBT now? Um, Right, because we need as many of those as we possibly can. Uh, Hi, ma'am, my son is two, uh, two years and 10 months old. He's diagnosed with ASD uh he knows a to z and numbers one through 30 he can sing nursery rhymes so can you please tell me whether he will be able to speak in the future
1: yeah and so you did this they he is vocalizing a to z and one through 30
0: well she doesn't he or she doesn't specify that but they say that he can sing nursery rhymes
1: yeah So then, yes, if he can sing, if he's already saying, like, let's say 30 or more words, then yes, he can speak. And he, it's just a matter of putting them together and uh, also putting them together and paying attention to environmental cues and using them appropriately as functional language. But yeah, so and also the other thing I want to say is it's very exciting when you have a child who is that young, 2, 10, I think you said, and they, are, they know numbers and letters. Numbers and letters, uh, when a child teaches themselves numbers and letters at an early age, it tends to be an indication of hyperlexia. And hyperlexia, or the ability to kind of read and connect with uh, letters and stuff early on, is a strength. It's, a, uh, it's kind of like having a strong visual memory. And so that helps our kids. Most of our kids who have, there's actually a lot of published literature on this. For children who have hyperlexia, they tend to do very, very well with ABA because they um, memorize really well and they are able to visually learn things very well. And this whole, I I assume this child probably taught them themselves these, these concepts will continue and so they will do very well. They do also though on the downside have the tendency to memorize things in a very rote fashion. So with hyperlexia you just have to make sure that you switch things around a lot and make their responses be more flexible as opposed to rote so that they learn uh, kind of to qualitatively change their responses Um, And then yes, you'll, you'll have a blast because our kids with, uh, I just think that uh, the most fun period is watching our really young kids, the two and a half year olds. And when they start learning rapidly, there's nothing more joyful than that because every day it's, it's a new thing. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's overwhelmingly fun when a child gets ABA at that age and they start to just soak it in.
0: And I'm just going to piggyback on that because you know you've done this so many times um, that I know that you know that you can do it. And and what I see a lot of times are that um, people get excited, but they're not with a good quality ABA provider, and that's right. the
1: key. Got to do that, and or doing the right dose. So it's got yes, to, yeah, it's a yeah. combination of those things. And yeah, please don't waste time. Like two nine two, ten is like the best time. It's This is the time when your child's brain has the most plasticity and can learn the most in a flexible way. So please don't waste time right now. Get your child a good quality ABA program. And let me tell you, one of the signs of getting a good quality ABA program is that your BCBA or whoever is with you, when they evaluate your child will recommend an intensive program. There's the whole thing. So you have to understand that when your child is two years and 10 months, you're looking at what's called EIBI or early intensive behavioral intervention. It's super, super important. That's the dose that your child needs. They need 40 hours per week of one to one intervention. And of course, everyone benefits from 40 hours a week. I would benefit from 40 hours a week of any kind of instruction. Let's be honest. Like If I want to freshen up my German or my French or whatever, I would welcome 40 hours a week because I'll be caught up in two months, right? But with our kids, it's super important because... They are, as they're aging, their brain plasticity slows down. They cannot learn as much material, just like all of us, right? And also there's more material for them to learn. So when you're a two-year-old, there's actually a really good chance for you to catch up by the time you're six. So please don't waste time. Get into a high-quality program and start an intensive program. Why is it important to start intensively right now? because payers, your health insurance company, will not be allowing or funding an intensive program when your child's six. Let me tell you, they will fund it when you're two, and three, and possibly four. So get in there while you can, and get the hours.
0: Yes, and and don't be confused, because sometimes uh, there are a lot of people out there who are like, well, your child needs to talk. So what you need right now, most importantly, is speech services, and I can tell you, that I, there are all kinds of people who have 17 year old children who can label something that they can go door and they can say fish and they can say dog, but they yeah. can't say to you, hey, can somebody open the door because the dog is barking at the fish? And I know as parents, we all want that level of conversation, right? And, and it's not just about showing flashcards and making lists, right? It's ever so much more than that. And that's what you get with ABA. I I get very hepped up when people say to me, well, I don't want to mess with my speech services, so we're not doing as much ABA because we have speech. No, 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 no. What you, you know, yes, great to have a little bit of speech to work on the production and that kind of stuff, but what you really want, I know, because I'm one of those parents, you want the conversation, um, and so you need to prioritize ABA. Right. So, there Um, We only have a a minute and a half here. Um, So I I do wanna just address this question really quickly. I'm 17 and autistic. I'm planning to go to college next year. My parents treat me like I am a child who can't do anything. How do I get them to see and accept me? I know you could take an entire hour on that, right?
1: I just love that. And I feel like we've been down this path before with someone else and maybe it would be possible for us to connect this young lady to that young lady
0: can I tell you that that young lady was on the show last week uh, and um, has her own show now. So yes, maybe I will reach out to her and say, can you talk to this young man about you know, what you did so that you could feel emancipated? And you know, uh, I, can I tell you from the other side, as a parent of uh, somebody who's about to be 17, I understand the fear. Um, I, I totally understand the fear. I wanna coddle him. I would like to go back to the high chair because uh, I'm so scared. Right, yeah. but um, I do think that sometimes, uh, you know, I have the, the world full of people like Dr. Grand Pichet and Dr. Temple Grandin who reminds me from time to time, you have to let him do that. Um, you know what I mean? And I think that for parents to have that social group of people, of kids that are going out into the world to talk to each other and say, you're just gonna have to feel those feelings and let them go anyway. So I'm also happy to talk to your parents is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but.
1: And I, I want to help you uh, understand them and so it's important for, when you want to change someone's opinion it's important to, uh, to first really see things from their perspective and so first let's focus on you uh, the the viewer who wrote in understanding how your parents feel and that has a lot to do with what Shannon said. The reason that they're coddling you and trying to treat you like a baby is because they're worried that you might fail and all parents feel that way, whether it's your parents or anybody else's parents. All parents are very worried when their children go out to college or go out to the real world because we're always worried that our kids will fail.
0: So, I got to interrupt you because it's cause you got to go to a meeting, but I got to tell you this really quick. Somebody wrote in and said, my son has hyper- hyperlexic and a, a dose of 40 hours of ABA a week at CARD and is rocking it. Even now with quarantine, we love CARD. And somebody else says, we may not have had high quality. And I'm thinking about relocating to get my son in CARD. Email me so that we can talk about you know where you're going and what you're doing before you, before you leap so we can get things ready for you. So that's awesome. Thank
1: you, Shannon. I'm going to let my board meeting wait (laughs) because I want to help this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. We have a 17 year old writing in and saying like, I am, I am on the spectrum myself, so I can't let them go. So what I want to say is just try to understand how your parents feel, because once you understand that you can sit with them and you can explain to them that their fears are, are, they don't need to be afraid. You can sit with them and say, I know you're worried about and you're afraid for me, but what you're doing is holding me back. So don't be afraid. This is not about what I can do. This is about you being afraid. So don't be afraid and let me fly. Let me take off. Let me fly. And if I fall, I will come back and ask you for help again but don't be afraid because I will always need my freedom in order to be able to fly and really show you what I'm able to do.
0: Well, that made me emotional um, as as a parent. Um, So thank you. Thank you for taking time from your board meeting. Please give them our apologies, but thank you for being here. We adore you and thank thank you for answering our questions. I know you gotta go. I'm saying goodbye to all of you, but I'm gonna give them the reminder of what's on tomorrow. Tomorrow on the show, we have autism advocate Chelsea Darnell is going to be here with us. Thrilled to have her with us. She is so multi-talented. She's a singer. Um, she's an advocate. She is hosting something called um, Saturday Night. Uh, it's, it's film. I can't think what the name of it is, but it's the Ed Asner Center, where on Saturday nights, people, young adults watch a film ahead of time, and then they tune in together for a social group where they discuss it. Um, so Chelsea's going to be with us tomorrow to talk about all the things that she's got going on. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, and then on Friday, on Friday, 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 we have Anita Lesko, who's going to be here with us. You thought that it was just going to end in April. No, Anita Lesko is going to be with us to talk about her new book, Food Revolution, which I'm knee deep in. And uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Lee is going to be with us. Aut- autism advocate, Ryan Lee is going to be with us. So it's going to be great. And if you need to get a hold of me in the meantime, S Penrod at autism-live.com. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.